You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Look, these are some hard words from Paul again this morning. Hard on a lot of different levels. We're going to start at the end this morning. We're going to work our way back up to verse 1 if you're reading along in your Bible. It's hard because of the things that he says to those who are troubling the church. But then I think if we're really honest, it's also hard to hear just what it is that we have been set free to as Christians. But let's get started at the end. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I'm dealing with this first because honestly, it's distracting. (laughs) What is Paul talking about here? Well, He's using some language that has been running throughout the course of this book. But he starts off in verse 2 talking about circumcision. And this is what Paul has to say. Look, if you accept circumcision, that is, when false teachers come in and they try to get you to follow the law, and circumcision is the picture that he's using, because this is what Jews used to do, right? And so he's using this as a picture, and he says, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, this has nothing to do with medical circumcision, or whether parents choose to get circumcised, or if your culture does an initiation process. It has nothing to do with any of that. What we are talking about, and what Paul has been talking about throughout the book of Galatians, is your salvation. He's been talking about, specifically, your justification. Your being made right. And here, Paul is saying, if you accept this picture of circumcision, 
you are accepting the whole law. And Christ will be of no advantage to you. Verse 3, he says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, you will be obligated to keep the whole law. That is to say, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, right? If, if you believe the truth about Jesus, that he has died for your sins on the cross, and then you say, I'm going to add to that this little tiny piece of the law. It has nothing to do with anything, but you know what it does do? It does set me apart. I think that it makes me just a little bit more in line with, I mean, Jesus himself was Jewish, right? But Paul says, no, if you accept circumcision as a way to signify who you are in Christ, as a way to um, make yourself right, you are obligated to keep the whole law. Paul's saying this, what's that? You want to be made right by outward things that you do? Great. Go and keep the whole law. How does Paul respond, though? He says, if you're going to do that, you are severed. You are cut off. So he does something kind of kind of cute here, right? He, he takes this language of circumcision, uh, which is the trimming of skin off of a man. <laughs> and he says something else then, using knife language. You are severed. You are cut off from Christ, you who think that you could be justified by the law. You, in fact, Paul says, if that's what you think, you have fallen away from grace. There's no grace available for you if you're trying to live according to the law and be saved according to the law. What about other people, though? Uh, you know them, I know them, maybe you're one of them or were one of them, where you say to yourself, you know, I've done so much in my life, I'm not sure that God really has uh, anything that he wants to do with me. The idea that I could be saved after the things that I've done, um, no, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that this message is for me. I don't think this good news could be for me. I'm sure that you know someone like that. And if you don't, you should find someone like that. <laughs> because that is the person that needs to hear the good news. But what does Paul go on to say here? Uh, it's not that type of person that has fallen away from grace, but who? The type of person who thinks they can be made right and righteous before God by their works of the law. And even in the life of a Christian, Paul says this in verse 5, It is through the Spirit, by faith, that we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul says, when are we going to get righteousness in this life? Never. We're eagerly waiting for it. It's not going to come in its fullness now. We're waiting for it. Verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Okay, Paul, so it doesn't matter if I'm a Jew or a Gentile, but what you're really saying is that I need 
some sort of love produced to make sure that I am justified? No. What Paul is saying there in verse 6 is that it does not matter whether you're Jew or Gentile because those things don't count for anything. We are all children of Abraham. We are all children of the free woman, unlike this person who's, you know, twisting the truth and teaching lies about the law of God and how it can save you. That person is a child of the slave woman, as we talked about last week. Uh, no, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, but only faith working through love matters. And it's not what you have produced. This is what God the Holy Spirit is producing in you. The faith that you have been given will work itself out in love. That's just what's going to happen. This is the thing that we always come back to about God's words, right? They create. So that at the beginning when God said, let there be light, and it happened, in the same way, when you are dead in your sins, God comes and says, let there be new life, and there is. His words create, and they are powerful. And in the same way, when he gives you faith, when he gifts you faith, that faith is going to produce something because that faith came from God. Namely here, that faith is going to, is going to show itself out through love. This is not a measuring device to see whether the person next to you is saved. Do not be confused into thinking this. If we fall into that trap, we are falling into the same trap that the Galatians fell into when someone came in and said, do you want to know if you can really tell that you're saved and that the person beside you is saved? Here's the law of God. <laughs> and Paul continues, verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were going along nicely. And then someone came in and got in your way. And the way that they're thinking, that's not from him who calls you. That's not of Jesus. In fact, Paul's going to say here in verse 9, it's sin. We see Jesus talk about sin as leaven or yeast, right? And here Paul says a little bit of yeast makes the whole lump yeasty. Okay, as a bread man, you know I love this, but but here's the truth. Um, a little bit of sin comes in there and messes up the whole thing. A little bit of false teaching comes in and messes up everything. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump, right? You don't just get a little piece of bread that rises either sitting out on, the, on a table or while it's in the oven. The whole thing rises. Why? Because the yeast goes everywhere. And Paul says this in verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. So, please, I have confidence that Jesus is going to pull you through on this one, that God the Holy Spirit is going to work through you on this one. Don't take any other view. Do not adopt the ideas of these false teachers. And the one who is troubling you, I have confidence that he is going to bear the penalty of what he is teaching you. And one last defense of himself here, Paul says, me, I'm being persecuted. 
if I were preaching circumcision, that is, this guy came in or these false teachers came in and said to you, hey, you know what, Paul just forgot to teach you some things. And Paul says, no, if I were still teaching that, why would I be being persecuted by them? Why would they be questioning me and judging me from afar? Why would they be undercutting everything that I taught you? Because if I was teaching circumcision elsewhere, but not to you, you know for a fact that the offense of the cross would have been removed. See, the offense of the cross, the, the offense of the cross, Paul here is saying, is that God does everything to save you and you do nothing. So if you add circumcision back in, and Paul's saying, if I still preach circumcision, then the offense of the cross would be gone. Because then it means that you're doing something. <laughs> and then Paul wouldn't be being persecuted if that was what he was preaching. But he is being persecuted because that's not what he's teaching. He is keeping the offense of the cross, which says that you can do nothing to save yourself and you can do nothing to keep yourself saved. And then the harsh words, Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. And um, this is graphic, more knife language here. Uh, Paul is, yes, quite literally saying that person that wants to go around and collect foreskins um, to circumcise men to show that they are living a righteous life and then also to allow other people to think this same false teaching. I wish that they would use that knife and that they would go just a little bit further and then we wouldn't have to worry about them anymore. Um, yes, those are harsh words. But that's why we started at the end, worked our way back up through verse 2 to verse 12, because all of this now brings us back to verse 1. Now, I have not been lying to you the whole point or the big idea for the whole um book of Galatians here has been by works of the law will no one be saved because no one has ever been saved by works of the law right we've gone over this so many times you could say it in so many different ways uh and that's true but verse one of chapter five here is really what we've been working up to in the book of Galatians for freedom Christ has set us free Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do you remember when God's people left Egypt and everything was, uh, you know, celebration? Um, and then they get to Mount Sinai and the law is brought down. And, okay, they were, you know, worshiping other gods. <laughs> Whoops. Um that was an accident. You know, that, that golden calf just kind of showed up. We know that whole story. And then the law comes a second time. God's word comes a second time through Moses. And they say, yes, all of this we will do. And then as they wander through the wilderness, because all of this they did not do, they suddenly start to say, please take us back to slavery. Freedom sounded like a really good deal 
sounded like a good deal uh, until they couldn't keep themselves free. They couldn't keep themselves free from worshiping other gods. They couldn't keep themselves free for, for treating their relationship with God as one that is, is simply transactional. God will keep all of your law if you do all of this for us. And then they couldn't keep all the law, right? And then they saw, decide it was better in slavery. Let's go back and do that instead. This is the scariness of freedom. You know, uh, for all of you that have older children, you know this all too well. I'm learning it little bit by little bit right now. But, you know, we try to give each of our kids, uh, you know, a growing amount of freedom that is appropriate to their age. And as we do that, each and every time, I think to myself, ooh, Oh, maybe that's a little too free. You know, they're going to go out there. They're going to hurt themselves. This is going to happen. Um, I'm not sure this is going to be good for them in the long run. And, you know, when a child is young, you have to set boundaries. You have to set discipline for them and so on and so forth. But then at a certain age, as a parent, at a young age, that makes me a good parent, right? But then at a certain age, that makes me a parent that is overly protective, and then that child gets out into the world and they don't know how to make a decision for themselves. They don't know the difference between good and bad because they've only ever had to listen to other people tell them what to do. Freedom can be a dangerous thing. And all people are tempted to go from freedom to slavery. To choose something that is going to limit their freedom in some way or another. Which brings us to our big idea this morning. You cannot be saved by works of the law, so Jesus had to set you free for what? Had to set you free so that you could follow the law more closely? He had to set you free so that you um, could make all the good decisions that are just locked up inside of you. Uh, Jesus had to set you free? No, no, no. Jesus set you free for freedom. Christian, you are free in Christ. You have a frightening amount of freedom in Christ. This is also why, um, you know, well-meaning pastors, maybe even like myself, will often say, hey, you know what? You are free in Christ, but maybe not as free as what you think you are. Here's a list of eight things that you can do to make sure that you're not overstepping your bounds of freedom. <laughs> or, um, you know, I think you're totally free. Absolutely. And yet at the same time, if we were to look around at the people around us, we might be able to say, ah, you know what? That person, uh, they are falling short in this area and this area and this area. And in your freedom, you have done a better job of not sinning as much. Therefore, you're a better person than that other person. No, this is not what Christ has set us free to. He has set us free for freedom. What does this word freedom mean? I think in a political sense, we could 
look at freedom and say, well, to be free is to be free from oppression. That is that you can live your life without fear that someone is going to hold you down, hold you back, and and make you uh, their servant or their slave or steal your money or take whatever it is that you have. Okay? If you don't have that kind of freedom, then we don't really have a political or a national or a personal freedom. But that's not the kind of freedom that Jesus gives to us. Uh, for instance, think about our brothers and sisters in Christ that are living in China right now. Uh, many of them are worshiping in secret because they can't do it out in public. Um, if you want to uh, receive things in the Chinese society, you have to, in many ways, worship that system of government. And if you say enough good things, if you take part in the political party and so on and so forth, you get points, points added to your name. And those things can get you loans for a better house, a better car. They can get your kids into a better school, so on and so forth. Everyone has to choose whether they are going to enslave themselves to the government and the political party and so on and so forth. And so our brothers and sisters in Christ do not know political freedom. They do not know religious freedom. But what they do know is freedom in Christ. And the freedom that we have in Christ is not something that can be taken away from us. It cannot be diminished. It cannot be trampled on. It is a freedom that says, uh, where God says that I no longer remember your sin. It is a freedom that means that you do not have to worry about judgments that are made about you. You do not have to be concerned with not measuring up. You do not have to linger on or be or be pinned down by your failures, whether it be in the life of faith or the life of uh, the life that you have with your family or in your work. Because none of these things can make you right or righteous before God, you have been set free from them. Because Jesus shed his blood for you on the cross, because he took all of your sin on himself, because he took all of the weight of the law on himself, None of these things have a negative bearing on you. You are free from them. Next week, when we come back together and we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're also going to see how it is that God not only sets you free, but how he keeps you free and what he does with the freedom that he has given to you. Anchored Baptist Church, I miss you, love you, and I wish that we were together today. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.